0: When I left music college at the age of 19 and as I waited the, the clearance to enter into the civil service, something happened that had such a profound effect on our entire world. You see in 2001, on a bright September morning, something very dark happened in another part of our world an event that changed our world forever. You See, not long after the events of that morning on the 11th of September, 2001, four words became part of national and international discussion. It dominated all talk and all news articles. And those four words are weapons of mass, destruction." These four words caused wars to be fought and wars continue to be fought on the back of and with the aid of weapons of mass destruction. Weapons. Isaiah writes down that our swords will be made into plowshares and that spears will be made into pruning hooks that nation wouldn't take up sword against other nations, and nor will they train for war anymore, that eventually peace will reign. Peace, it's that thing that seems so elusive, just out of touch. You see, throughout human history, we've always sought ways to to settle disputes and disagreements. However, if there's one thing that we know well, it is that when humanity tries to settle disputes, things tend to escalate very quickly. We end up beating our plowshares into swords and our pruning hooks into spears. We ultimately go in the opposite direction of what Isaiah writes down. For example, we can read through through history of Textile factories being turned into factories for weapons and vehicles of war. As we come here this morning, depending on our age and our family background, we might be coming to remember those who we don't know. People who we've never met or it may well be someone who is incredibly close to us, people that we did meet, people that we did love, those who sacrificed their life in military service. It might be a brother, a sister, a father, or a mother. It might be a close friend. For myself, I come here this morning and I I come remembering a man that I never, ever met. A man that I'd only ever seen in a photograph. A man that I'd only ever heard a few short stories about. For those of you who might be wondering why I highlight the letter H in my name, that I give you my full name, it's not because I'm trying to be fancy. But you're going to find out this morning why that H means so much to me. You see, my great-grandfather, David Hood, was in the Navy during the Second World War. And his ship was sunk in the middle of the war. The whole crew died. And at the age of 13, my grandfather, my papa, became a man. As the eldest child, he was granted the chance to leave school that early in order to go and seek employment, that that would be able to support my great-grandmother in running the house and helping to bring up my papa's two younger brothers and younger sister. However, while death brings with it many sorrows, the legacy of my great-grandfather, David Hood, doesn't end there. You see, my grandfather at the age of 13 sacrificed his childhood, He was forced into, like many were, forced into becoming a man far earlier than he should have. And like many men and women in Midlothian from, you know, where where I'm from, and indeed throughout Scotland, he entered the, the workforce performing hard physical labor at a young age. And this would have an effect on his entire life, contributing to his final years being ones of extreme discomfort and poor health. However, the legacy doesn't end in suffering either. For throughout his life, my, my grandfather displayed a very strong work ethic. He displayed hospitality above and beyond, and he had a huge passion for family. And these were all traits that were passed on to his three daughters my mum and my two aunts. And they've now in turn been passed on to us as the grandchildren. And I being the firstborn grandchild, I carry the surname Hood as my middle name. This was done in order to continue the family name, seen as my grandfather didn't have any sons. That H is a constant reminder to me of a man whom I never met, David Hood, who with many of his fellow shipmates gave up their lives in order that I would be free to live mine. That's why I highlight it. It commemorates my great-grandfather, a man I never met, but without whom I wouldn't be here today. And my great-grandfather is just one example of many who embodied the sacrificial love and provided a legacy for future generations. You know, those who have gone before us paid that ultimate price of laying down their lives to ensure that we would have a tomorrow. They deserve to be honored. So it's right that we come this morning and we stop to remember them. However, it's clear to me that in our remembering, we also need to honor their sacrifice by seeking new ways to deal with disagreements. That's why I felt drawn to Isaiah's prophecy here in chapter 2. See, Isaiah's been given this gift of prophecy, a chance to see a glimpse of the future that's spoken about in the book of Revelation where this new Jerusalem is established, the second coming of Jesus and God's promise to his people is fulfilled completely. But Isaiah also tells us that all of humanity will take their disputes to God so that they'll be judged justly. And it's only then that we'll be able to achieve this peace that we need. God is reminding us through his prophet Isaiah that there is hope in another way, that God's kingdom will reign and peace will become a reality. But until then, we stop and we remember. You see, this passage makes clear that his, this peace comes from having a relationship with God and taking things to Him. Isaiah envisions a world where in our modern context, fighter jets in the air are turned into tractors on the ground, that we as the church, the body of Christ, need to show the world the way to true peace, that we are constantly pointing the world towards our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. That the church is the vehicle that God wants to use to help usher in more of his kingdom into our world. That's what we're tasked with. So often, the church is known for all the things that we're against. But our primary task is to point people to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. A few years ago, I saw a video on the BBC website As I was preparing for this morning, I remembered it vividly and I thought it would be good to watch it as part of our time together this morning. So we're going to watch a short video.
1: The moat around the Tower of London was illuminated this evening with 10,000 torches, commemorating the final days of the First World War a century ago. It took around 45 minutes to light the flames in a ceremony that will be repeated every night until Remembrance Sunday. As the nation prepares to mark 100 years since the guns finally fell silent, our religion editor Martin Bashir has been reflecting on one element of the kit issued to serving soldiers.
2: As young British men prepared for conflict a century ago, they received the blessing of a chaplain and were armed with a helmet, a rifle and a Bible.
1: So this is my grandfather's Bible uh, from the First World War. Uh, So he was uh, carrying this with him um, uh, throughout the war.
2: Steve Vinyl's grandfather George was on the Western Front when his battalion came under fire. Hours later, he wrote a letter describing how shrapnel had hit
1: his Bible. When the, where the bullet landed, and uh, he, uh, he then opened it, he said that the 8th verse of Isaiah 49, where the bullet stopped, contains these words which caught my eye, directly I saw it. I will preserve thee. He goes on to say, May this be true of future days, until I see you all again, is my heartfelt prayer
2: the words of Scripture comforted soldiers during battle and on occasions at the end soldiers when they're very badly wounded have a tendency to produce the New Testament from their breast pocket and to read it as they die now this is a phenomenon that was recorded when soldiers who were killed on the first of July 1916, the first day of the Battle of the Somme, were recovered and buried. Many of them are actually found dead, though with the Bible with New Testament in their hands. For George Vinyl, who survived the war, his faith increased and led him to work as a missionary. Do you think we've been a bit remiss in the way that we haven't acknowledged? the Bible and its use by soldiers in the First
1: World War. Uh, Their faith, um, their belief that they were doing um, the right thing, that in those sort of circumstances it's often out of your control therefore it's in the hands of God and that I think perhaps we do miss. It is after all
2: a verse of scripture that best describes the sacrifice of so many. Greater love hath no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends Martin Bashir BBC News
0: This video speaks of how important the the Bible was to these soldiers, as they find themselves in the trenches and how many of the, the fallen soldiers were found still holding on to their, their new testaments, they would read it to one another, some as they drew their their last breath. It's very powerful. this video is a reminder that we mustn't ever forget the powerful nature of the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus, that good news to all of humanity, the hope and the comfort that can be taken from the Word of God in times of trouble. But just as important as that is the knowledge that there is another way for us to live, a way that is filled with love, respect, and indeed, peace, the very thing that the people we remember and honor this morning fought and gave their lives for. And let's not forget those who did come home, were scarred by the the inhumanity that they'd seen, those who were physically scarred from the battles that they fought, and those who were mentally scarred too. This small passage that we looked at this morning describes a a wonderful future, a future of peace, when instruments of war will be converted into instruments of farming and cultivation. And I believe that the reason why they're described as these instruments of farming is that by by its very nature, farming much like the laying down of arms symbolizes an effort, a real effort to nurture new life, that there will be a time, there will be a time where all will be taught God's laws and more importantly, will keep them. And although that we know that God will eventually remove all sin from the world and with it, the causes of war, Causes of conflicts and other problems. We shouldn't just wait for God to act. We need to begin to obey Him and go into our calling, step into it. You know, in that final verse, in verse 5, where it says, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We are the descendants of Jacob we too need to walk in the light of the Lord right here and now. That although the eternal reward awaits us, we can enjoy many, 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 many benefits of walking in the kingdom right now, being obedient now as we go to seek and apply God's living word into our lives each and every day. Because you see, even in the darkest of times, there's a hope. A hope that can be found in Jesus. God had a plan from the very, very beginning. A plan that would bring his creation back into right relationship with him. And that plan was fulfilled by Jesus when he laid down his life for us all. We might have a hope for peace. We might even be sure in God's promise that peace will reign eventually. But as we come here this morning, let us also seek to walk in the light of the Lord. Let's seek to make peace a reality here and now. Let us honor all those that we come here this morning to remember. Let's honor them. Let's honor them with a, a way that is filled with love, respect, and the pursuit of peace. Let us pray. Father, we are challenged by the the very nature of war. We know that there must be a better way. And we hope that that other way would reign here on earth and an end would be put to conflict. We give our thanks to all who are in active service as they put their lives in harm's way. And we pray for their protection. We long for the day to come that war would no longer be necessary, and we place our hope in you, giving thanks for the light of the world that is Jesus. But Father, we so often feel numbed with no idea how to proceed. By your Spirit, would you help us to see your ways? Would you use us to usher in more of what you wish for your creation? For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.